glad that all of you are here in our sanctuary and joining us online, and we are just glad that all of you are here with us to celebrate worship today. My name is Kelly Lane, and I'm one of the ministers here. Our lead pastor, the Reverend Dr. Peter Moon, will be preaching today, and he is going to preach about Thanksgiving and the fact that we are people of more than enough. And that is going to be an awesome sermon. Before we begin, though, I want to make a couple of announcements. The most important one is that do not come at 11 o'clock next week. We are all gathering here at 9 o'clock in the sanctuary for one service of worship. And we are going to have gather and go. You should have a handout in your bulletin about this. We are giving out t-shirts today after the service that we want everyone to wear t-shirts and jeans and be ready to go and serve after the worship. We're going to do that together. So um, also that is a really great opportunity to invite family or friends to join you next week as we gather here at 9 o'clock for worship and then we go forth to serve. The Lord be with you. Let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
in body or in spirit, and join me in our call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that has made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his house. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us indeed come into God's presence singing using hymn number 92 for the beauty of the earth. Let us sing together.
we give thanks today. We give thanks for all the things that we have just named in our hymn, especially for God's love and for God's grace. So therefore, trusting in God's grace, let us confess our sins together. Almighty God, like the people of Israel, you have called us to the altar to offer our thanksgiving and our first fruits. We confess that we have failed, for we are distracted people. We presume your goodness. We claim your grace as our right. Forgive us for taking you and your provision for granted. Lead us, like Israel, to that sacred place where we remember both your goodness and your power. Bring us to remembrance this day with a spirit of humility and thanksgiving. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. It is through the generous gift of God's grace that we are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As those who have been forgiven and reconciled to God and neighbor, let us exchange signs of Christ's peace with those around us.
who aren't already up here would just come up now for the children's message. That would be great. And I have some helpers who are going to come also with me. And um, do, does anyone else want to come up? Come on up, please, because we have a game we're going to play. So you guys can turn around for one minute and look at me because then I'm going to give you guys all a job. So um, who here has played red light, green light? Okay, and so you know that the rules are when, when someone says red light, you stop, right? And when someone says green light, you get to go. And uh, we're not going to worry about yellow lights today. We're just going to talk about um, red lights and green lights. And we're actually going to play the game together. But there's a, one special rule, okay? We're not going to run in church. We're going to, we can walk quickly. So what I'm going to do is uh, Lily is going to help me. We're going to stay up here, and we're going to call out red light and green light. But Stephen and Pastor Pete, they're going to go a couple of rows back, and you guys are going to walk with them. And then when we say green light, you guys are going to come until you sit on the steps, okay? So can everyone get up and follow Pete and, and Stephen? Go about, you know, halfway down is all. Because you guys are going to show the adults how this is done. So if I have a microphone here, Lily, do you want to say red light and green light? Can you say, okay, I think they're far enough. Can you say green light? Green light. Green light. Can you guys go walk quickly this way? But when you get to the steps, you're going to sit. Can you say red light? Red light. Red light. Red light. Okay. Green light. Red light. Green light. Red light. Okay, let's let them say green light now until they all come sit down. Green light. Okay, it's going to take too long. Thank you so much for helping. Okay, so the reason we played red light, green light is this. Because when we are a church, the church, I'm just going to tell you the answer to this because there's too many of you and you probably already all know this answer already. The church is actually not a building. The church is the people. And so this building is still, still here when we're not here and we call it a church. But without the people, it doesn't do the things that the church needs to do. And so when we come to church, we do things like we pray and we worship and we learn about God. But we also are the church when we go forth, when we take God's light into the world. And so when we go, um, it's important to remember that we are still Christ's body, which is the church. Okay, and so next week what we're going to do is we're going to come in and we're going to say red light and we're going to stop and pause and we're going to gather for worship and we're going to pray and do those things where we sit and we're quiet together and we learn. And then we're going to say green light and we're going to go forth and we're going to go do all kinds of service all over Richmond together. And there's special things. I think the most fun things for the children would be to sign up to do Rise Against Hunger here in the Fellowship Hall. It 
that is awesome to do with your children. And if you're old enough to work in a garden, you can come to Swansboro Elementary School. Those are probably the best things to do with children. But there's also lots to do for people of all ages, so go online and sign up to help. And so you can be the church when we gather and when we go, when we have a red light and when we have a green light. Okay, so let's say a prayer together. Dear God, thank you for all the many gifts that you have given to all of us. Give us eyes to see where we might share these gifts in the community together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, if you are not a ringer, we want you to stay seated. If you are a ringer, go with Martha and ring, and then everyone else stay seated, and then we'll all go back to our parents at the same time. Okay, so I'm going to sit down because I'm not a ringer. children can now go back to their parents. Please join me in praying the prayer for illumination found inside your bulletin. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's first lesson comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26 verses 1 through 11, which can be found on page 158 of your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. Moses tells the Israelites how to show their gratitude to God after they settle in the promised land. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, 
as an inheritance to, pro- to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God has cho- will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice, saw our affliction, our our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place that gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You will set it down upon, set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. The word of God for the people of God. Our second reading for the morning comes from the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians, beginning with the fourth verse. Will you listen now for the word of God? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think, of the, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as your word is proclaimed, enable us to abide in your peace, in your grace, and in your love. Open your heart, open your mind to us that we might see your power this day through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 
Well, friends, in just about a week and a half, you, me, a lot of us, all of us will be gathered around our Thanksgiving Day tables, and we'll be in different settings. Some of you are going to be hosting people coming to your home. Some of you will be visiting friends or family uh, in other places. But there's going to come this moment where you or someone else and all of you will gather around the table and the conversation will stop. And there's going to be this moment of silence and modest, prayerful expectation. And then perhaps you will offer a prayer. Maybe somebody else will offer a prayer. A prayer of thanksgiving. Well, if you have ever seen... that prayer. If you know the story, uh, Jimmy Sturdy plays this crusty old Virginia farmer who prides himself on hard work and on self-sufficiency. And it's a trait that is revealed in this classic prayer that's in the old movie. He said this, and I quote, and I, I can't do Jimmy Stewart like Jimmy Stewart, but it's a great prayer. Listen to this. He says, Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it and sowed it and harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just the same, Lord, for the food we're about to eat. Amen. Well, you know, that's one way to enter Thanksgiving. Amen. But thankfully, the two readings we shared together today, they offer us a better, healthier option. Did you hear what's happening in that long reading from Deuteronomy? See, Moses is speaking to the people about how they bring their offerings and how they are supposed to do that in the context of thanksgiving. And it's it's easy to get caught up in all the details of that reading, but don't miss the primary points. You see, the people are supposed to come forward and lay their literal first fruits from the promised land on the altar. They've been This is anticipating their entrance into the promised land. And they know it's going to be a time of prosperity and great crops. And and as as an offering of thanksgiving, they placed the very first fruits on the altar. But as they did so, they were supposed to remember. Remember what the Lord had done. How God had brought them to the promised land. How God had done mighty things for them. And how God had saved them despite themselves. See, when they placed that offering on the altar, they were reminded that God had done it. God had done what God had promised to do. Now, there's just a real clear and immediate lesson for all of us at this point. A reminder that the holy people of God, we are supposed to be a people of thanksgiving. Is it not easy to presume in this day and age that the manifest blessings that you and I have, they are an entitlement, not a gift? They are a right. And so what we do is we stop and we give thanks and it reminds us of the thing we need to always remember, that God is God and we are not. And frankly, we have it better than we deserve. Because our God is a God of grace. 
And that's a, that's a helpful and important and primary lesson. But of course, the text takes us deeper into a rich understanding right here. See, as the folks placed the gifts on the altar, they were remembering this fundamental truth that God is good. That God is good. You know, sometimes I wish that all of you could experience what it's like when you all make the offering. And we put all those offerings into the plates. And then the ushers bring the offerings forward. And they hand them to us as clergy. And we walk up there and we place the offerings on the altar or we hold them up. And then we sing the, the doxology. And I wish you could feel what it feels like to have the choir singing and the organ playing and you all singing this song of praise. It's just like a torrent and a river of worship and praise that goes through us and past us right to the living God. It's a beautiful moment where we as the church place our gifts on the altar and together we testify that our God is good. But the other point of this text is that because God is good, we are good. Now, I don't mean we're good in a behavior sense. Let me clarify. Because God is good, because God has done what is promised, because God has brought you and me figuratively to the promised land, we have peace. We have contentment. We have what I need. We, indeed, what I am is enough. What I have, we, we are more than enough. More than enough. Now that phrase is not mine. I read it this week along with our Sunday evening study group. And it's from a phrase from the theologian Miroslav Volf in his book, Free of Charge. And you probably heard me quote him before. He is a brilliant and a, and a gifted theologian. But you see, his real power comes from his experience. He is from Croatia. And he came out of the many literal battles and struggles of that land, including genocide and atrocities and human suffering for him and his family and his extended, extended family that's hard for even most of us to fathom. And yet again and again as he writes, he writes about how God is good, how this God has been good to us, how God has filled us to the brim with Christ, in Christ. And as a result, he says, and I quote, you and I are more than enough people. That's who we are, more than enough people. And certainly in that is the recognition that we have more material provision than we need. Our tables will be full in a week and a half. And we will celebrate the fact that we live in relative peace and prosperity when so much of the world around us is struggling for life. We have more than enough, certainly in that respect. But that's not the major me. It's about who you are in Christ. It's about the status of your soul because you have faith in Christ. Because of Jesus and what he has done for us, we are more than enough people. Our souls are full and they are full even if our circumstances of life go south. What an outrageous claim in this day and age. See, that's one of the main points of that beautiful reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. You have read that letter, I hope, before. One of the most beautiful letters Paul wrote. And the reason it is so poignant 
is because the theme of that letter is joy. Again and again, Paul says, as he said twice in our reading today, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. And the power of the letter is, this, is Paul's audacious claim that you and I can have joy even in hard circumstances. And you know why? Because we are more than enough people. And the letter, if you listen to it, it, it goes on down and it speaks to the reasons that you and I can have this joy. He says in a beautiful phrase, the Lord is near. Friends, can you just chew on that? In it all, no matter what, no matter what happens in our life, the Lord is near. And therefore, he says, you and I don't have to be anxious about anything. And then he goes on to say, remind us that you and I, uniquely, can live our lives and center our lives around things of beauty. We're supposed to ponder, we're supposed to cling to, we're supposed to pursue, I quote, whatever's noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is, whatever is admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. But of course there's more. Paul goes on to say that you and I, we have the peace that passes understanding. And that peace, he says, guards you. That peace is a guard around your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. There's a reminder that we're going to hear again in the weeks to come in Advent. But a reminder that the peace of which Paul speaks and we claim, it's not simply an absence of conflict. That you and I in Christ can actually do it. We can actually live in shalom. That beautiful biblical word that describes a wholeness of life, a wholeness of relationship with our loving God that is reflected in our relationship with neighbor, community, and world. And it gives us a sense of contentedness. Dare we say happiness, but more accurately today, we say joy. I think this whole concept is beautifully illustrated by one of my favorite poems, it was written many, many years ago by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. And if you have ever sailed on a boat, perhaps you know the meaning here. She says this, One ship sails east and another west by the selfsame winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that tells the way we go. Like the winds of the sea and the, are the waves of time as we journey along through life. Tis the set of the soul that determines the goal and not the calm or the strife. You see her point, friends? You and I are more than enough people. In Christ, we have the unique privilege of setting our sails for joy. Setting our sails for peace. For hope, dare we stretch it at this point and say, to the promised land. And therefore, we are good. And we're good because God is good. And so we can be thankful, not just that we have enough, but even more that we are enough. But I think there's one more thing for which we can be thankful in the weeks to come. 
You see, when you are a more than enough person, when you are good in life, you know what you are? You are this powerful and shining light of hope in a world of division and conflict. Now, I would wager that most of you will have peace and celebration around your holiday tables as these days unfold in front of us. But I do know also that these family gatherings are also the occasion to catch up with our unique friends and family members, which can sometimes be the occasion of tension and conflict around the table. But do you see the power in the midst of this being more than enough people? You see, when you are good, the tension has a way of not infecting you so that you can follow Paul's advice about not being anxious about anything. Now, psychologists have a very fancy name for this. They call this differentiating. But we don't have to go that fancy. And I find a great example in history. Um, It's illustrated in the great biography of Abraham Lincoln by Doris Kearns Godwin. Have you had a chance to read that book? Her book called Team of Rivals. Now, she doesn't use the more than enough language, but it certainly does translate. The premise of the entire very thick book is about how Abraham Lincoln was able to actually do that which we speak of this day. Quick history aside, when he ran for president in 1860, three people in particular, Edward Bates, Salmon Chase, and William Seward, all ran against him. And these were smart, gifted, outspoken people and outspoken in their disagreement with Abraham Lincoln all through the campaigns. But then when Lincoln won the election, he did something that would be unheard of today. He brought these rivals to serve in the primary places in his cabinet, all three of them. And if you know the story, through the years of the Civil War, they went on to serve him and our nation admirably. And as a result of their work and Lincoln's work with them, in many ways, the union was preserved. How in the world could Abraham Lincoln do that? Now, perhaps in many ways it was because of his faith, but it was also because somehow, some way, he was able to rise above his own anxiety, his own issues, his own disagreements, because of a higher and more worthy cause, namely saving the union. And in that sense, his personality and likely his faith and certainly the fullness of his cause enabled him to be of that of which we speak, be more than enough people so that he could move beyond the insult, beyond his ego, beyond his pride, to be a means of grace that healed our nation. Now, friends, most of us are not facing a civil war. Our struggles, our conflicts, they are of a lesser sort, but the concept remains the same. I think it all comes together in a faith perspective in the gift that you and I have of being like that woman in the book of Proverbs. If you ever read the 31st chapter of Proverbs, you know there is this story, a characterization of what is called a woman of noble character, and it goes through for a chapter. 
describes how she takes care of her family, how she runs a business, how she is in ministry with the poor. It goes verse after verse after verse for a whole chapter. But then it gets down to what I think is the very best line. It says that she can, and I quote, laugh at the days to come. Laugh at the days to come. Can you even imagine that right now? I find it challenging with all the struggles, the division, the hardship that we're facing as a nation and the world, not even to mention any challenges you bring into the room right now. And yet, this is the blessing of Jesus. Yeah, we're going to gather around our tables, and we're going to thank God for all the material abundance, but that isn't the best part. Our Lord has brought us to the borders of the promised land and beyond, and you can choose joy You can choose shalom. You and I can live in peace with our rivals. And dare we say, we can even laugh at the days to come because our God is good. And because God is good, we are good. And we are more than enough people. So as we we gather around our tables this weekend or in the weeks to come, let us, friends, hold on to that truth so that we can set our sails for joy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. With thankful hearts, let us rise and sing together one of the great hymns of our faith, number 102, Now Thank We All Our God. Let us sing.
Let us pray. Oh God, you are indeed great, and you are indeed good. And you have filled us to the brim with so many gifts and blessings. We praise you and glorify you this day. And with thankful and grateful hearts, we give to you now our requests. We pray, Lord, for anyone who is suffering in any way in mind, body, or spirit. We pray for anyone who is sick with RSV, with flus, with allergies, with colds. We pray for healing and for strength. We pray, O oh Lord, for anyone who is grieving this day, and especially we lift up to you C.J. Struble and her family after the death of her sister. We pray for peace and for comfort for all those who grieve. We pray for anyone who is hungry this day, anyone who is in need of shelter, we pray for our nation. We pray for all of our elected leaders. We pray for all those who have been newly elected this past week. We pray that you would be with them all, O oh Lord, and help them to govern with justice and compassion for all people. We also give you thanks this day for our veterans as we remember this weekend all who have served and sacrificed for our country and we give you thanks for our veterans. We pray for our world around us. We pray for peace wherever there is conflict and wherever there is war. With thanksgiving, O oh God, we lift up these requests to you. And now, in the silence of our hearts, we lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers this day, O oh God. We thank you that you are near us and near us all. And we thank you for family, for friends, for our church, and for all of our many gifts and blessings. Hear our prayers that we lift up to you as we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I'd like to invite Greg Sinaviva to come forward now to give us a report on our stewardship campaign. Good morning. Uh, my name is Greg Seneviva. I'm a part of the Stewardship Committee, uh, and along with my wife, Abby, I've been a member of Reveille for over a decade. Uh, I'd like to thank Pete for inviting me to share some of my own experience today with giving, uh, and then give an update on, on this year's stewardship campaign. As a child, I was fortunate and blessed to grow up in a thriving, vibrant church community, in a church a lot like Reveille an active outreach, incredible music, and an amazing youth ministry program. And it was in that context that my parents impressed upon me that if we have more than our needs met, God calls us to give from our abundance back to him, not from what's left over at the end of the day, but to give to God first planfully. As members of Reveille, um, along with my wife, I have grown spiritually from the ministry of this church, I have witnessed firsthand the impact of this church's outreach to the community, and I have watched our three children thrive in the church's incredible music and children's ministries. All of this reiterates to me uh, the need for extravagant giving. If I believe in the mission of this church, which I do, and want to see, see it continue on, then I need to give financially to support the mission of this church. As Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What I take away from that personally, too, is that if I have heart for something, which I do for this church, I need to support it with my treasure. And with that in mind, we are so thankful for the extravagant generosity that the members of this church have shown in responding to this year's stewardship campaign so far. Uh, just two weeks since Giving Sunday, we have received 176 pledges for a total of $1.1 million. Those 176 pledges put us at 77% of our goal of 230 total pledges. This is an incredible response from our Reveille family. And when we look at previous years and how quickly we would reach this point, we are well ahead of pace. Uh, and when we think about the fact that we are still in many ways recovering from the pandemic, that people responded so generously and so quickly is something that we are just incredibly thankful for. We are well on our way to meeting our goal, but we are not there yet. Uh, we, again, are thankful to everyone who has pledged so far. Uh, it means so much to us in the church and in the stewardship committee. Uh, and if you have not pledged yet, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider this week what you're capable of committing to now for 2023 and returning a pledge card next Sunday or going to Reveille's website and making your pledge uh, for 2023 this week. Thank you all very much. Thank you so much, Greg. And now as the ushers come forward to receive our morning offering, we also want to welcome our Dance Candle Studio dancers who are going to come forward and be with us. Uh, thank you so much in advance for your ministry here today.
Let us pray. Gracious God, for dancers, for singers, for music in all its forms, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for life. We give you thanks for this beautiful day. We thank you, O oh Lord, most of all, for your power, for your presence that is always near and with us in all circumstances of our life. Accept now these gifts that we now return back to you. Bless them, multiply them, and use them for your kingdom and for your glory. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is number 2008 in the Faith We Sing hymnal. Let us sing together.
at church, both when we gather and when we go, and go pick up your green t-shirt to wear to worship next week. And as you face the joys and the challenges of the coming week, remember we are more than enough people. The glories, the grace, the love of Jesus resides within each and every one of us. Hold on to that truth that we may be the light in the darkness as we go. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as all God's people say, amen.